Welcome back to Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth Studios. As always, I'm joined by the Virgil to my Dante, Kyle Carr. Usually, Kyle, at this point, I ask you a question. Uh, This week, I was going to ask you, have you ever in your life had a fuck it, it's Kepa moment uh, to reference the, the fact that, you know, People now are just trying 40-yard bombs against uh, Chelsea's goalkeeper. But I want to know, what's the deal with the peacock? Because I have some thoughts. Most, uh, most of them are old man thoughts, Kyle. So Ears. I need a voice of youth and uh, reason maybe to, to correct me here. The, I think the biggest issue, there's two issues with peacock. Uh, one, it's not available on Roku, which a lot of people have, whether they have like the Roku device or their TV has a built-in Roku interface. So that's a problem. You can't download it. And also I think people are just sick of paying for another streaming thing to watch soccer. And, you know, when you add up ESPN Plus, Peacock, whatever, Fox Sports or BN, whatever you have to use to get Fox Sports and BN, for example, so whether it's Fubo TV or Fanzit, there's just a lot of streaming shit and people are sick of trying to think of like eight different ways. CBS, another example, it's just... We're kind of sick of it, and at this point, you're almost spending more for these streaming things. I mean, and, it's the, and it's the key matches that I think people are annoyed with, like Chelsea being on Peacock. That doesn't make sense. Why not put them on NBCSN? Um, next week, Liverpool-Arsenal is going to be on Peacock. Again, that should be a match that you put on NBC or NBCSN and really highlight that. And I think people assume that Peacock would be similar to Gold, in which at least all the matches would be available if you wanted to, but you could still see some of them on TV, but that's not the case. They're only putting certain matches on TV and certain matches on Peacock, and the shit doesn't make sense. But it's also because we're sick of paying for another thing to watch another soccer league. Uh, you know, I, I, here's what I'm going to say. I mean, the sheer quantity of, of soccer available to you now, you know, the, the expectation is you know, that I should be able to watch every match everywhere in the world for no money. So my, my, my feeling is you bunch of spoiled weenies, uh, you know, literally uh, there was a guy complaining about having to like, well, you know, I watched this match on, on this, uh, on my cable. And then I had to switch over to, to my, my Roku to watch this match. And then I had to switch from that. Like he's basically complaining. He had to change channels. Now, Every Saturday, do I sit there when they place the 11:30 match on and and think to myself, you know, well, I'm watching Rebecca Lowe in the pregame until 11:29, and then I have to change over right at 11:30 to catch the start of the match, and that's a lot of effort for me. Yes. Do I take to the Twitter machine to to sort of elaborate how lazy I actually am? I do not. So. I mean, and again, you know, I, I think Chairman Schmidt also made this point, you know, back in the day to get like one or two Premier League matches a week cost $20 a month because you had to add the package that had, you know, Fox Sports on it. Uh, when I was growing up, I remember Soccer Made in Germany, which was an hour long of old highlights. Uh, you can get a lot of this stuff if you uh, simply flip over to Univision and, and work on your Spanish. Uh, so my, you know, my feeling uh, of, you know, the outrage and the one that, that ticks me off the most of all is Grant Wall, who is like, I got to reach into my pocket and pay another $5 a month for this service. Grant Wall, we learned, made $300,000 at Sports Illustrated. I'm pretty sure he can handle the five bucks a month, even though he's currently unemployed, because I think his wife is like a huge deal doctor at Columbia. Also, literally, this is your job, dude. Your job is to cover this stuff. Like, shut up and pay. Like, that's, it's your job. It's like me complaining that, you know, in order to get the trade information from, from one of the, the firms that we work with, that it char- they charge me a $2.99 subscription fee every month. Like, yes, it sucks. It's my job. That's how it works. Also, like, people have jobs, and so you, you can't expect all of this stuff to be free to you. All of the time. I'm more mad at Reddit for getting rid of the Reddit streams subreddit. That is what really yeah. upsets me more is Reddit getting rid of that. Uh, I could have been totally fine with everything else because then I knew if I didn't want to pay for it, I could just go to Reddit and someone's got it. Yeah. But 
at this point, I think everyone's just going to start sharing passwords like they do with Netflix anyway. Well, so. you know, uh, I'm not going to say that the Liverpool supporters group of Madison has a, a community uh, 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 password on our little text chain. Uh, and it's no longer really a Madison. We're scattered all over the country at this point. But yeah, we might have a certain resourcer of humans known as Opta Lee may have helped us put together a spreadsheet where we can share all of our passwords. So, you know, uh, go, I think that, you know, the thing with Peacock is they're moving more of the content to the paid because last year nobody paid for it, basically, because it was like two games, I think, all year of Liverpool were on there. And I was like, all right, I won't pay. I'll just go to the bar for those two days. And now they're moving more of them behind there and they're getting your $5 for them. I, you know, but again, it's a bad combo of putting it behind that paywall and everyone not being able to go to said bar to watch it yeah. as a way to cover it. I mean, if you want to get angry, get angry at, at Donald Trump. That's really the lesson. <gasps> blame yeah. Trump, blame Voss, blame Steineke, and blame Fitzgerald because those four are bitch ass cowards. Uh, I, and blame our stupid ass Supreme Court. Right, Sterling? Sterling agrees. So uh, after that, uh, just letting you know, Dan is, uh, continues to find himself out in the woods somewhere. We're not sure where. Uh, and uh, continues not to like what he finds, apparently, other than Ginny Wijnaldum. He finds Ginny Wijnaldum everywhere he looks. Uh, Coach Neal not joining us this week, uh, traveling back from uh, Georgia. Figured we'd, uh, or uh, yeah, from Greenville, South Carolina, pardon. Figured we'd give him a rest. It's the same state anyway. Um, Figured we'd give him a rest. So instead, we're very fortunate to have with us uh, Omar Anguiano from Labara 608. He's going to talk about their new kit launch, all the kind of stuff that went into designing that kit, why, um, you know, he couldn't wait an extra day to appear on our podcast to help publicize it, um, and what Labara is doing, you know, even though we're, we're not in person, uh, and always happy to have Omar on. Omar, I think this is the first time we've had you on talking about Labara. 608 specifically because the previous time we had you on we were talking about uh esports is that right correct yes yeah. uh yeah we spent the whole i didn't realize we had spent that long talking about esports last time and yeah it was, it was actually really entertaining and fun uh well you're the first guest that's ever said that about us so thank you oh. um <laughs> what, what uh i realized you know that interview by the way feels like years ago but it was only back in june so uh you know not that long ago. Um, and you guys did a great job of raising money for charity. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about, you know, what Labara is doing now um, and, and with the jersey, the new kit uh, that you guys have launched and, and uh, getting all that started. Um, what, before we get into the match recap, uh, for people at home who don't know about Labara, uh, how'd the idea come to you guys, you guys who, who, sets it, who set it up, who was in charge? Uh, what, what was the kind of impetus for it? Um, it all starting on a signing day. Um, I'm almost positive. It was Paulo jr. Uh, we were at nomad and we were waiting around. It was, it was during the week and it was, it was a day that Peter Wilt was like a, l- a little bit late. Um, <laughs> You're going to so, have to narrow it down. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like, it was like half an hour late. I think there was obviously with the signings, um, when we started our season, there was always a storm like yeah. the day before day of. So I think it had to deal with something like that too. Um, but so who started it was my brother, um, my buddy, uh, Mario and myself, uh, we were just sitting there, we were having a beer, we were talking and then we just all of a sudden decided to like, Hey, what would we do if we decided to start a Latino supporter group for the team? I'm like, well, you know, who knows? It's like, who knows how, like, like what the stadium's gonna, gonna fill up, uh, how many people are gonna be there. Obviously this was like pre everything, how like we had no idea like what forward was gonna be. Um, so we practically talked before, before the whole announcement. And then after the announcement, that's when we, uh, we met Andrew. We had met Andrew that night and Liam. Um, there were some other folks there, but I can't remember who they were. Um, but uh, Andrew and Liam um, were the two people we, we talked to right after it. And we pitched the idea of how um, if anyone had come up to them asking about a Latino supporter group, because we knew they were, they were running. I don't, I don't think it was named the flock at that time yet. I just knew it was like the forward Madison supporter group uh, Facebook page. So that's how I knew like they were kind of in charge and the lead of everything at that time. So 
we we talked it with them and they were more than happy to have us come along and like the very next day like we were already in talks about like what our goals were like if we had names if we had an idea of crest and honestly for me it was just like a thing of an idea it wasn't actually something i honestly didn't think i wanted to do at that time it was just andrew's very good at taking your half-baked ideas getting you <laughs> really involved in in bringing them to reality i think it's one of his skills yeah yeah he he messaged me a couple times during that week and then man i can't remember i don't i know we talked quite a few times uh on facebook and everything and then the next time we we met with them uh was at chase after jc's signing i believe um uh we we met at the offices and that's where we met um kyle griffin sarah griffin and i feel i feel like there was somebody else uh there too and we kind of shared the the first um samples of our logo of what we kind of liked and what we didn't like what we thought of the name the name at that time, we we had it fixed. Labar six away. We knew that that's what it was going to be. But then the logo was just something. And why 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 Labar? What uh, for people who might not know what why Labar? Labar means a couple different things in the Spanish language depending on where you're coming from. It can mean the fans, a group of supporters. It could also mean like a fence. Um, it could. I think there is like a legal term uh, surrounding it too. Um, so there's so many different things, but. Um, if I do know correctly, it's mostly a big term used in like South America. Um, so I don't know. We, we just like that name. Mario threw it out there. He's a, he was the one that kind of came up with the name. He he was throwing those names out. And I was like, Labara, Labara, six, six out. And I was like, what about 608? He's like, yeah, that'd be perfect. Because I kind of I kind of signifies where we're from Madison, you know, just not Labara, because there there are other supporter groups out there named Labara with other names out there. So, but yeah, that's how we came up with that name. Um, I think that was like November ish. And then we decided to wait until January 1st to make it official. Um, and then everything from there, it just, it was like a snowball effect. It just kept on rolling and rolling and becoming we something. We're, we're up and running because at the first uh, age, you know, annual general meeting is already at stickers ready to go, which was pretty cool to see. And, you know, you guys were ready to go. And, and um, one of the, the tasks that fell to you guys, or did you guys volunteer for uh, kind of taking responsibility for drumming at the matches? Because that's where I think most people, if, if I said to them, well, borrow 608, may, you know, oh, yeah, I've seen the name. What, what do those guys do on match day? One of the things is you guys are always the drummers, I think, for the most part. Um. I think I, I wouldn't say like we are the drummers. It's just no. I, it's kind, I, yeah, Andrew, but like I, yeah, I see Mario every I, match. You know, I know. Yeah. yeah, Mario. Mario was the I think him and Connor and Andrew were the original drummers, if I remember correctly. Because mm-hmm. I remember Andrew coming up to us and asking if if any of us wanted to drum, and I knew Mario wanted that. He like yeah. wanted a he wanted a drum. So yeah, Mario has been there since the get-go. He has been like one of the, I think one of the first uh, drummers for, for the section. Um, and then I think we just needed more drummers. We got the other drums um, figured out and then my brother joined in and then I hopped in a couple times and it's, yeah, it kind of has been all three of us at some point or another throughout the matches. But yeah, Mario has been the number one. Yeah, uh, you guys aren't the only the only drummers, but I, you know, ever there always seems to be somebody from. Well, I guess Mario's drumming all ninety minutes, which is pretty pretty impressive. Um, probably a pretty good workout, I would guess. Yeah, he loves it. I don't know how he could do it all ninety minutes, and he has his kid there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kyle, we've kind of put off talking about the actual match in Greenville, maybe long enough. Um, you know, I don't know. We could probably burn another five, 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, does anybody really want to talk about that? It's, it's unclear to me. Um, so, uh, two nil loss at Greenville, uh, sort of standard, you know, uh, run through, uh, of a Greenville forward Madison match. Uh, you know, our, our first of the, uh, kind of key points was, uh, you know, turgidity. Uh, the two teams have played, uh, by my estimations now, uh, 450 minutes. There have been three 
total goals scored in those 450 minutes. Unfortunately, none of them, Kyle, have come from Madison. And so uh, if you were to issue an over-under on a year for when Madison might score uh, against Greenville, what year would you go with? I tweeted yesterday that someday Ford Madison will score in Greenville. It might not be in 2021, probably going to be 2022. So it's going to be a while. And I just think it's just this mental block. It seems like Ford Madison has two mental blocks they can't get past. One of them is beating North Texas in Texas. And the other is scoring on Greenville. Those are the two things that I think they have yet to be able to clear in terms of hurdles. And unlike the other matches, at least this one, they looked like they had half chances, but I don't know what it is. It, it just feels as though they try and play this game that isn't going to work every time because Greenville is completely content with sitting back and not trying to do anything. They're good with, we know we can probably throw one or two moments of brilliance as we've seen all year with their multiple one zero victories. They know if they get a goal, they, they'll get a goal somehow, some way. So we're just not going to let anyone else score. And when you have arguably the best defense in the league, it just, it's a bad combo for Ford Madison. And I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take. And you would think with some of the players that are there that you would maybe get one cross that just works out perfectly, or you get one shot that can happen. And I mean, JC Banks had that one at the top of the box in the first half that was heading towards near post. Dallas J makes a good save on it. Yeah. And that's probably the best chance out of any of these five games that Ford Madison had that they had a chance at scoring. But, you know, when you have Dallas J in goal and you have that defense, you have to take your chances. And unfortunately, this haven't A, had the chances to be taking them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Madison had the, the lion's share of possession, uh, 58% to 42 for, for Greenville. And part of that is Greenville obviously shifts back into the, into the shell um, as, as, you know, the, they score the early goal and they drop deeper. Madison had nine corners uh, to, to Greenville's uh, three or pardon five. And Madison also had 12 shots to Greenville's eight. Of course, uh, only two of those were on target versus the four for for Greenville, one of those, uh, the aforementioned uh, J.C. Banks shot. Um, but, you know, you, you, you could make the case that Madison had a, a fair number of chances. Um, now, one of the things I think that going into this kind of matchup and, and Omar feel to, feel to, you know, jump in at any point, I should remind you, uh, that it, it was interesting is, you know, we know this is going to be a defensive shutdown, you know, uh, one goal in the previous four matches. Uh, and we have to go in with it basically our core defensive three all changed around. Leonard is the only player that's usually there. Uh, you know, he moved back to center back. Fernandez uh, stepped in. Uh, Ovalle, uh, who comes off the banger last week, uh, slides into the DCM role. And so none of those three guys are one normal starters in those positions. And only one of them really is a, is a normal starter. So I think you almost feel like Going into it, you, you couldn't have felt great without Turbo, without uh, Josiah, who had, who had a knock. Uh, Turbo was out for personal reasons. Um, you couldn't feel great with that much reshuffling in the heart of your defense. Yeah, it's kind of tough when you had those changes again. Turbo, out for personal reasons. Josiah has a knock. Jalen, not completely. He did make an appearance again, but it was clear that he probably wasn't going to be able to go the full 90, it seemed like. And then I think it was also how they set it up, at least with Ovalle playing more as a six. I think it was kind of the deep line kind of playmaker more, as we saw with his goal, just try something. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's fine with what you would want to have as your six, you know, Eric Leonard is more the, we're going to break up the play and we're going to just make sure that any attack gets stifled while Ovalle is going to be more of the, I'm going to dish out passes. I'm going to take shots going to be a little bit more attacking minded. And I think in this type of matchup, that's a good idea. It's just a little bit tougher when you do throw two guys that yes, they've played, but they haven't played. I don't think at all as a center back pairing besides maybe the first uh, North Texas match. And then you haven't kind of, I don't know how I'm assuming they had some time to practice it, at least with Josiah having a knock, but maybe with turbo being out as well, makes it a little bit more difficult to know how much they were able to, train and practice together. Um, so I think it was just 
trying to reshuffle that made things maybe in the communication side a little bit tougher. And we'll talk about it on the first goal, but I think that's kind of why that first goal even happens. Um, I think if Josiah or Turbo's there, it doesn't happen. It might still happen because it was a good touch and turn and, a t- and you know, you took the chance, but there's also a lot of space that was given up and the kind of trying to put two guys on him and nothing comes of it. Yeah. A great look. Uh, Omar, anything that you noticed in the, the, the defensive setup, you know, kind of coming in to, to the match? I think it was just different, especially going into that type of game, the game we were going into. Um, obviously there are things that nobody can control and why some of those, uh, some of our backs weren't there, but I think it had a big impact not having our two main backs there. Um, I don't know. It, it did feel at, at times weird seeing that defensive line, you know, um, but for, for most part of the game, they actually did pretty well. Like I was, I was still really surprised on how well they, they played against, against Greenville. Um, but I think, at least on that first goal, I think it came into a big factor not having our two main guys there. You know, they're uh, they're the two towers. You know, they're they're always there. They're always bullying people off the ball, and I think they would have bullied. I, I forget who scored, but I, obviously you guys will talk about it in a second. But I think I think it was a big factor, at least in that first goal. You know. Yeah, I think with uh, you know uh, Fernandez, who's a little younger, and uh, Tur- uh, Leonard, who's not the physical imposing. Fa- presence of, of, uh, Josiah Trimmingham. Uh, you know, when somebody asked me why Trimmingham wasn't playing, I said, that's because Greenville is near an earthquake fault. And, you know, if, if Trimmingham steps too hard, I think he would just destroy the whole city. Uh, you know, because that guy is, is a big physical presence and, and, you know, Turbo is, is six, four, six, five, you know, big dude as well. Um, but uh, it was actually also, you said weird, uh, you know, weird not seeing and, and maybe a, a preview of what next year may look like, uh, not seeing Turbo on the pitch. This is the first competitive match where Connor Tobin has not appeared in the, in the pink and blue, uh, you know, and not been on the field, which was, you know, kind of remarkable to see the captain not out there. So um, we, we hope, you know, everything is going well with, with Turbo and uh, looking forward to having him back. But yeah, it was weird not to see. Um, and you know, that, that leads into kind of the, the final, uh, point Kyle is that while turgidity kind of dominates these matches, uh, this one was a little less, a little less turgid than we've seen in the past. Um, you know, you alluded to the JC chance, um, you know, that Don had a, had a good rip in the uh, 11th minute that we may touch on, um, that, that it seemed a little more open than usually in these matches. Yeah, it seems like they at least tried. I would say in the first Greenville match, they were content with sitting back. If they got the ball, they'd immediately launch it forward and hope for the best. While in this one, they did try and build as much as they can. Mike Vang was very, very deep, which I think also contributed to that. Um, he didn't have as much of an influence on this game as he has in the past four games. Um, but it just seemed like they were at least putting in decent crosses. They were putting in decent passes they had it was a lot of decent they had a lot of decent chances and decent looks that maybe against a revs two or ocb or tucson that you can get away with and you can score those um maybe it sets up another pass that you can make and it works but when you have this team in greenville it yes it, you got to take what you can get but obviously what you're giving them is not going to challenge them enough to make it threatening but they were a little bit more open. I think Don did a really good job trying his best, to, especially on the right. Paulo and Giro early on were putting in decent crosses from the left. Um, I just think it was a combination of, I mean, you're playing in South Carolina humidity as well. So it seemed near the end, those legs were getting a little bit more tired and they were a little bit slower and less crisp. And I know when it gets to that point and you're in that humidity and then you see, and then Greenville scores that second, you kind of, it just kind of deflates. But yeah, they were at least more open this go around. I think out of the five games, this was the one where I was, and I was saying at around like the 65th minute, maybe they could score a goal and get something because they've at least looked, they looked like they're willing to attack in this game. And and this is one of those matches where you kind of expected maybe, uh, you know, Vosh to get, I don't want to call it a slop goal. Um, The, the, uh, this phrase uh, Russ Devonport because I listened to the Greenville commentary on 
on this afternoon on the rewatch used was like a, a classic striker's goal, right? Where it's kind of a half chance in the box and just kind of makes something happen. And you thought maybe on one of the nine corner kicks, Voj's head gets on there. It goes in the back of the net, something like that. You know, you, you felt like, you know, Madison had a, had a chance to score, uh, even though I jokingly, so just, you know, to, to kind of shift over into looking at the match itself, um, you know, a couple of, couple of early highlights that, that we, you know, pointed out, uh, you know, smart had the 10th the minute, we had kind of a scrum in the box, had a, had a good, you know, chance there on uh, the 17th minute, Don smart had a, had a great chance to hit off of Polak, uh, the offensively named to, to my mind, at least, uh, Polak, uh, went out for a corner, uh, you know, sent that sent Dallas J diving, uh, Marchetta wisely uh, avoided an indirect free kick in the in the 24th minute, which I feel bears mentioning, because uh, I think that's the first time we have not had a, an indirect uh, free kick in, in one of these matches in quite some time. But then uh, in the 25th minute, uh, basically Greenville gets a two on one uh, on the right hand side uh, of their attack against Giro. Uh, Paulo looked a little bit adrift in in his recovery run. Uh, Omar Muhammad out on the on the right wing there crosses it in. McLean uh, Lachlan McLean gets gets basically two touches, swings and finishes it. You know, as I said, Russ Devonport calls it a true center forwards goal. He, he finished it between basically Fernandez and 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 uh, Leonard are kind of closing in and he f- finishes it between them. So I wonder how soon or how late Marchetta actually saw it, but you know. Uh, you you had thought maybe a different center back pairing would have would have helped prevent that. Why? You know what specifically did you see there, Kyle? That I think it wasn't. Maybe they don't stop it because it was a good touch by McLean. I can't argue that it was a good touch and he took the chance. I just think with a different center back pairing, I think Josiah maybe is able to anticipate a little bit sooner or get to it or even not necessarily body McLean off the ball, but I think he plays with a little bit more physicality than Gustavo and Eric showed um, possibly could concede the penalty. And I think turbo might try and call it ahead of time, just with his leadership and calling things out and being able to read it as well as he does. So I think that may have made a difference, but I also think Phil was very, very close to the near post and which left the far post exposed, which is where the shot ended up. Yeah. And I think if he doesn't give up as much of the far post, maybe Phil can get a hand on it um, and get a save on it. So it's, again, it's another one of those where it was kind of a collective failure. Um, and yeah. the series yeah. of collective failures leads to the other team scoring. We saw that in both goals for North Texas. We saw that in um, Richmond's goal. I think those are the main ones primarily uh, Omaha's was, you know, turbo conceding the penalty because they couldn't clear the ball. So it's just, you know, the team collective failure with the defending leads to that goal. You know, one of the things that, that, you know, kind of popped up to me in that um, was really the breakdown came because Omar Muhammad had just tons of space out in that wing. I mean, you could really pick out that cross. And when you give a guy a chance to pick out the cross, right, it makes it, much more difficult for the defenders, right? Where if, if they don't have that much time, you know, you can, you can close a little bit quicker to the, the, you know, where the ball is, is going, but he could really, you know, pick out and it gave a couple of guys the chance to, to make runs. So you can't, you know, you can't commit as early as you might otherwise in some sense, if that makes sense. Um, and, you know, pa- Paulo's recovery run was inside when the danger was the two V one that, that was developing there for, for Jira out wide. So, you know, it was more, you know, he made a recovery, but it wasn't where the recovery needed to be. And then, you know, Muhammad had all that time and just, you know, you can't concede that much time. So I think if we look at the center back breakdown there, maybe less, you know, their fault than, you know, you might look at otherwise, cause it was a great touch. I mean, great finish between the two guys um, with a goalkeeper in that situation, you're always worried with that near post run that he's just going to finish it on you to the, to the near post, you know, just simple side foot. It's tough to, that's a tough one to make. You don't expect that guy to be able to swing his hips that well. I mean, it was a great finish, but where, you know, where I was really concerned was the breakdown out on the wing that Jiro gets stuck on that two on one and, and, you know, they, they blow him up. So, um, you know, unfortunate to concede at that point, uh, me with my galaxy brain went, well, this game is over because Madison has never scored. 
my grants green roll and I just took the dog for a two hour walk. Um, and everything was fine and I missed all the rest of it. No, I, I, I stayed, <laughs> I stayed through, uh, in the 36 minute, I thought, um, and, and they commented on this on the broadcast as well. Corner kick wise, Madison must've seen something on the, the footage because they had a lot of low corner kicks, low driven corner kicks. The 36 minute one seemed to be the most glaring one where it's like, Oh, if somebody could have just kicked that one into the back of the net, um, you know, that would have been fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, Woj was on the far post and kind of swung at it and didn't get connected to it, but they had a couple of that low, those low kicks. And then in the 43rd minute was the great chance from JC. And he's a guy that, at, a, at some point he's got to get on the board just from, you know, he's had a couple of really good chances and I thought he took this one pretty well, Kyle Omar. Yeah, it was a good shot. It was just a good save as well. Um, again, if it's not Jalice J or Akira Fitzgerald, it's, or even Alex Mangles, that's probably a goal. Um, I just think JC did almost everything he could have with that shot with the little space that he had. Um, again, props to Dallas J really good goalie, probably going to win um, goalie of the year, him or Fitzgerald. And you can't really ask more out of it besides possibly more power, but that even that's being needy and greedy at that point. That's exactly what I was going to say. It was just the more power. I think it was well-placed, but yeah, maybe just the more power. Yeah. If he catches it, maybe a little bit cleaner, but you know, and, and Dallas J is, you know, uh, we've talked about this. He's a shorter goalkeeper. So he doesn't, you know, uh, a short guys don't, don't get the credit that we deserve. Uh, in goal, uh, maybe in life. I don't know, Omar, how you feel about that. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, shorter goalkeeper, but he, he is always on spot. They don't, they don't allow a lot of chances. So you're not going to see, you know, Dallas J put up those spectacular 16 save performances, but when he's called on, he does a really good job. And, and he made that save look easy. And I think it was a tougher save too than, than he made it look. I mean, from, from what I saw. Um, if we, if we fast forward into the, the second half, I thought, uh, Phil Marchetta had a, a, a great save in the 67th minute and maybe we'll, we'll, uh, save this for the, the kind of, uh, cause he was very busy in the 67th, 68th minute, but, uh, you know, to give our verdict on his performance, uh, because he gets rounded in the 68th minute by the goal scorer McLean, uh, fortunately Leonard clean, uh, cleaned off the line there or, you know, near the goal. And then he, uh, you know, claim the, the ensuing corner kick with, with some authority overall, you know, and we can talk about this in the context of the third goal, Omar, Kyle, how, how'd you rate Marchetta's performance on, on the day? Probably give it a six out of 10. He made good saves in the second half, especially a lot of good um, close range shots, but I, I just think his position in the first goal was, it could have been better. I think his position in the second goal, um, also, it's just that his positioning in both of the goals could have been better. Um, otherwise, he he saved the sh- he saved most of the shots that he faced, which is always fine. And I think the, claiming that corner really did it showed how much he's grown from the first game and just that confidence and commanding his box. But yeah, I'd say six out of ten. We've seen him play better. We've seen him do better, but it wasn't a disaster. And you know. I, I can't be too, too harsh because he did save most of the shots that he did face, especially at that point. I think there was one like point blank out, off of the corner or something. Yeah. So the one I'm thing already. for me, yeah, the one thing for me, it's, it's hard to judge, especially a goalkeeper on how their positioning is just based on the replays that we get um, from ESPN or whatever, you know, it's, we, we get the same replay as we see as a live feed. It's not like, you know, a uh, tier one sport where you get multiple different angles. So yeah. it's kind of hard to say what his, his real angle was. And you can't, I, I can't really say if it was good, it was bad. Um, but it like, like Kyle was saying, any other game, he's amazing. You know, um, he had some great saves uh, yesterday for us. Um, he's always playing a great game. He's, he's a lot more vocal. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard to tell with those, with those goals, how his positioning was. It did seem, I, for me, it did seem, yeah, on that second goal, he was a little off. Um, but it was, it's just those weird angles that we get that we can't really, we can't really get a good grasp. Like if we were at the games where we're usually behind the goal, you yeah. know, and we can see it perfectly. But other than that, yeah, I think, yeah, well, seven. Uh, I mean, 
uh, unlike at the games, you know, I, I didn't have three of the giant beers in me, so I don't see <laughs> so perfectly at the games. Um, what, what I never have. I might back turn to the game most of the time anyway, yeah, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, what, what I would say is, I, I think of anybody who's going to be angry on that second goal would be Philip Marchetta himself. Uh, goalkeepers, if they get a hand to it, and he got a hand to it, they think it's saveable. That's you know that's the way goalkeepers think. So I'm sure he's you know as upset as, as anyone on that that third goal. Which look that third or the second goal, not a third goal, only two, Keith. Uh, that second goal was a classic. I mean, it, it, this is like Jose Mourinho has made his entire career on this particular two nil victory, except apparently at, at at Tottenham where he can't win anything. Um, but, you know, essentially you get the, the first goal, either, you know, you get a great play from a striker, you get a goal on a corner kick, uh, you know, Frank Lampard dives in the box and you get a PK, you know, you get some dumb, you know, goal for the first one. They expose themselves because this actually came when Cox came on, Fuson came on, Ovalle left. So they really got rid of the, the deep lying playmaker uh, and, and, got rid of, you know, they almost probably shifted to something like a 4-2-4 going forward because this game was, you know, important. They needed a point out of this, really. Um, and so they, they really started pushing forward, and then the counterattack comes, and Jake Keegan, who had scored in their first two games, finally gets his third goal of the season. Um, you know, just a, a great counter, and that's what happens when you're, you're pressing up, more or less. I mean, Kyle, Omar, anything to add to that kind of uh, resigned take? I mean, no, it was, they were trying to equalize. As I mentioned, they had looked capable of scoring and you bring on Fusan, you bring on Jamil Cox, you get some fresh legs in there and take it out Vang and Ovalle. Um, they, they went for it and unfortunately you get countered. And when a guy like Jake Keegan has a chance, he's going to most of the time bury it. Can't really read too much more into that. It's just, they tried going for it. And unfortunately it went the opposite way. Um, yeah. 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 I was just going to say for me, it was, um, it was, I'm pretty sure it was in the first half. I just can't remember if we were, if it was still no, no, or they were up one. Oh, uh, but Woj, um, he had a header that he could have had if he, if it was a little higher, I think he had to go down a little too much yep. and he didn't get enough power, a good enough angle. And I think that could have been a turning point for us. Cause like I was saying, we, we created some chances. It was just the execution. It was just comes down to the final third, you know, but I think, yeah, he, he, he got a header, but it just wasn't power enough because I, if I remember correctly, he was leaning down too far to get to that. So I think if it was just a little higher, I think he could have scored that and that could have been a big turning point in the game. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was definitely how he angled it, tried angling his head to get on it, made it a little bit awkward. And because it went a little bit wide, yeah, if it was a little higher, it would have been right on target into the net probably because it was a great chance. Yeah, and, and you know, he... he Voj has shown that he'll score those, you know, a lot of the time. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's a classic uh, finisher um, in that sense. So, you know, you get on, I think there was a little bit of unluck, uh, you know, and we haven't had a lot of luck against Greenville. Um, you know, fortunately this match was not played in a blizzard um, or unfortunately, actually we tied the match in the blizzard. So maybe we should have, you know, asked for that. It's interesting to me that, uh, you know, Don and, and Paulo, two of the older guys on the team have been out. They run the, the whole match. I would have thought someone like Michael Vang probably would have kept having the fresh legs. I would have liked to see him and, and, you know, you, if you pull out of IA, let him and JC, you know, play the two in the middle. Cause those two work really well together. Let JC kind of control let Vang go forward. Cause look, you know, the Vang train was, was thundering along. It had a, had a hiccup here. It was, it, it missed its stop in, in Greenville. Uh, maybe next, next year it'll swing back through. So that was a, to my mind, a little bit of a surprising sub. I don't know what you guys thought of, you know, that, especially, you know, Vang's 19, I think he can run forever. I mean, I, at least, you know, that's what I thought I could do when I was that age, but you know, um, so, you know, and Don and, and Paulo in that heat, you know, they're in their thirties. I, I, you know, I hate to break it to you, but once you turn 30, it's, it's, it all goes to hell. Um, Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Just, just give up now, guys. If you're not already 30, just give up now, Omar. Uh, Kyle, Kyle's like 12. I'm 32. 32. Yeah. I, so I look young. Yeah. <laughs> you can relate, right? It's, it's all downhill. <laughs> you're not old, Omar. I'm, I'm 42 now. That's old. That's old. It's I'm Thanks. old near death. 
Um, that's why I complain about people complaining about Peacock. I almost said, <laughs> in my day, in my day, we didn't have any of these fancy channels. We had to get up off the couch to change the channel. I still had to do that when I was younger. Sure, sure. It's just my dad didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you were your dad's remote control. That's why. Yes. I, yeah. Mowing the lawn and changing the TV channels are why parents had kids back in the day. Why do you uh, think I have Sterling? <laughs> <laughs> so, Omar, uh, on a more positive note, you guys have raised quite a bit of money for uh, what charity here in, in September? Um, so we went with uh, Centro Hispano. They're a big organization that helps out the Latino community in a lot of different aspects. Um, we're hoping um, to donate uh, a lot of this money towards a program called um, um, the Juventud Program. And they are specifically in, I think, three different middle schools. But um, with Mario, Johnny, and me all going to Senate Middle School, they actually have a program there. And we're hoping we can donate it directly to that to to that uh, middle school, just because we came from there. Yeah. You know, I think I believe uh, uh, Mario was part of that program, if I remember correctly. Uh, I can't remember if I was, um, and if it was even That's around the time. Getting over thirty, right there. On the <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't remember anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we we chose uh, we chose that charity for for this kit, you know, and. It was, I don't know, it was, it was just something close to heart just because we went to Senate, we, we all three of us did, and being Latino, and um, I know I had to take ESL because, you know, you go to school, you're speaking English, and you come home, and your parents are speaking Spanish to you, so you don't know what to think in, you know, sometimes, so those kinds of programs really helped at least me out in a lot of different aspects of my life, so definitely want to give back to that. No, that's awesome, and so... The, the big driver, and, and Kyle is obviously the fashion consultant on, on this pod in terms of kits. Uh, Kyle, uh, describe, you know, describe the, the, the Twitter reaction, your reaction to this kit that Labara 608 put out, which is pretty sweet, I have to say. Yeah, when Omar first sent it in the Slack, I immediately thought, okay, this is really, really nice. I, I was blown away by it. Not surprised, Icarus. Having done a lot of other kits, um, they also did one of the plastics that just came out. That was good as well. But when I saw the Labara one, I didn't, at first I just noticed it. I was like, that just looks really sharp and clean with the pink and blue and having North and South America on there. The collar was pretty cool. So just seeing the collar was nice as well. And then when I actually realized it with the trim on the sleeve, having the flags on there, I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, I think it's just something that any, it, it definitely is a nice call out. It's something that, you know, for me on the outside looking at it, I think it's kind of cool to have that representation. Also something that it's just something that you, it's simple, it's subtle, but it still stands out. I think that's one of the things that really, to me, um, I notice. It's just how much it stands out, but then it's just, you know, it's just right on the sleeve. So it's something that anyone can see. It's not something that's kind of hidden, um, so that was my reaction. I really liked it. I really loved it. I ordered it as soon as I could. Um, and just seeing everyone else's Twitter reaction, I'm sure Omar, you could speak to this more as well, but just seeing, you know, a lot of other soccer supporters that I follow throughout the country. Um, and it was, they were all impressed with it. And I think that's something that it's when you put out a good kit, people notice and people take fact into that and they want to share it with others because you know when it's good you got to share it because when it's bad people will share it but not in a good way so for me that's just what my thoughts on it, it was really good I'm excited to get it and I think it's going to be one of those kits that no matter when you wear it whether it's next year five years ten years it's going to still look like a classic kit it's going to look good yeah so here I'll share with you guys obviously um the listeners can't see this. Um, if you're watching the cyber, if you're watching the simulcast, you can, but you know, <laughs> so the, the, this is the original, you, you can see this, this kit right here, right? The club America. Yeah. So this is the original design that I kind of based it off of that. I kind of wanted it to look like was the club America training kit. So it has the North, uh, the whole like um, central Northern South America on it. Um, and then, so Icarus did a great job. I just told him what we wanted. 
my original idea was to have each country outlined in their flags. But then it was kind of like, it may just be a little too much having it all just out there on you. So then Icarus came back with these four different ideas right here. Um, these were the four original concepts that we had. You know, there's, um, we kind of combined two of these. We brought the flamingos from the sleeves. I, I, I don't know if a lot of people notice that just because of that 3D design. There are across along the shoulders, there's some flamingos on there and we brought it into the original design. Another one that I liked a lot was a kit that kind of resembles the uh, forward third kit from last year. And it also kind of, I think they, they took inspiration from that, from our, our scarf from last year. Um, so that's, oh, yeah. it took, I can definitely, yeah. it took inspiration it. from that. Yeah. So, but I, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to, I want to have it feel like we were just copying uh, forward Madison, you know, it's, it's obviously a lot different, but it still really resembles what they had, you know? Well, and, so, and I think one of the things that people noticed was, you know, the, the first kit, you know, our, our blue kit has that sash and that in, in its way, the, the sort of North and, and Central America, the way it kind of goes across has that sash quality, which kind of mimics the, and then you have the colors, as you said, you have the flamingos on the sleeve and uh, all of that. How long did this process all take? Um, I think it may have taken about a week and a half. Oh, wow. Um, That's quick. Yeah, it, they were, I, I don't know if they were quick because he asked me, I asked him I wanted this for Latino Heritage Month. And I think that's also why he, they designed it pretty quick for us was because I, I told him I, I at least wanted to try to get it out at the beginning of the month. Um, so they were super helpful. They were like, I think in one day we almost shared like 10 emails, like back and forth, just going over designs. Um like adding adding the flags onto the sleeves, uh, the collar ideas because they have multiple different collars. Um, adding the flamingos on from kind of combining two different kits into one, you know, just taking multiple ideas and creating one bigger idea, which honestly turned out pretty pretty nice. You know, I didn't expect that great of a response on Twitter. You know, it was it was honestly pretty amazing knowing how well it was received and. I think at the end of the day, we sold 110, 110 of them. And which is also pretty awesome is uh, we're sending some to Canada, Germany, and Scotland. So it's, it's going uh, international on this. Awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you know, is this the first time you'd ever done this sort of design work uh, or, you know? Yeah, though I, before any forward, Real, any forward labara flock related thing i've never really designed anything it was just kind of just throwing at um this was just throwing ideas out there to designers and they helped us like whatever was in our mind come reality you know i've never really done anything like this before well you can quit at the top that's really the secret <laughs> Stop now. You, you've done you've done a great job you know hand this off to somebody else next year tell mario that next year or, the, or in two years this is his responsibility and that you've retired from <laughs> you know, you've, you've reached the top. It can only go downhill from here. Yeah. Get any better. No, but big hats off to uh, Icarus. They, they do wonderful things, you know, with what they can create. You know, we, like you were saying, the plastics also just release the kit themselves and it just looks amazing as well. You know, those guys can honestly do some real work. Yeah. And they helped out with the FC Belvedere Oasis kit earlier in the year as well. Um, and, and everybody that said, you know, they're great to work with. And the, the production quality is fantastic. I've not had one of their kits yet, but, um, you know, it looks, they, they look fantastic. And I think the kind of detailing that you're getting, you know, it, it makes one wonder why more big clubs can't do a better job, um, frankly. You know, that, that they're yeah. all, and, and not even on the, the big stuff, you know, but on the, the detailing and, and putting those kind of little, you know, you can still have a, a you know, the, the classic plain kit, but, with the, the cool details that make it your, your club's kit, I think, in, in some sense. So hopefully, you know, the bigger names maybe pick up on that and so on. So um, no matches this year, so no drumming. Um, but uh, do you have plans for, you know, coming back stronger in 2021? Um, I know you guys have done camps, summer camps in the past. Have you given any thought to, you know, in, in if, if the oh, – <laughs> here, here's the question, Kyle forward scores against Greenville or COVID is under control in the United States, which comes first? 
I'll take Ford scored against Greenville because regardless of the election, COVID's going to take some time to get under control because people are stupid. I think, so uh, unrelatedly, I I talked to uh, somebody in Germany today and I was like, so how's it, you know, what's it like? And he's like, you know, it's fantastic. Like you go into a store, people are wearing masks and there's no like, oh, my, my liberty is in stink. You know, it's like, no, you got to wear a mask, idiot. Like, put on the mask. You I know? mean, they had fans for their German Cup matches. Um, yeah. And it was weird hearing actual fans cheering and stuff. And I, I kind of got jealous. Well, you know, we have fans, but we probably shouldn't, um, you know, if we're if we're doing this right. But they're following uh, the rules. Yeah. So Sorry, Omar, to interrupt there with uh, <laughs> our meaningless asides. But, uh, you know, what what are you guys thinking about for 2021? Have you given that? much more thought or anything for, you know, as Labara grows that you guys are aiming for thinking about? I think just doing the same thing. Like we're all doing all of the supportive groups, honestly, that we're all doing, keeping this, this high expectation of us helping out the community as much as everyone has, you know, I think, um, uh, we, as a supporter group, we, we've, we've done a lot within what, not even two years of all this, you know, um, just, just keeping it up, you know, slowly building, just doing a little more each and every year, not, not going overboard every year. Cause every year you're going to try to outdo yourself from the year before. And at one point or another, you're just going to exhaust yourself, I believe. So just, just doing the little, little by little. So um, I think my little is going to be making sure we teach the drummers and the musicians a little cumbia for the stadium, you know, for <laughs> next year. Get a, get a little more, more <laughs> rhythm. I mean, yeah. you are you are working with a group of Wisconsinites on a lot of the chants. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm always clapping on the wrong beat if I'm actually clapping on the beat. I'm just letting you know. I'm that, just saying that, that we're match apps practice we had before COVID. Yeah, you know, yeah, like Kyle was saying, we were actually we were doing some pretty good stuff right before this whole COVID thing. I was pretty excited with some of the things we were going to come out with. Yeah. And it, it all hit. And it was just like, dang, we had some really nice stuff, some new, new little things we would come out with. I'm just warning you, you know, I, I, I cannot, I, I love the rhythm. Uh, I cannot, I'm not going to be able to keep it. You I, could do at least one of the th- I think we had three or four that okay. we felt confident doing. You could do, yeah. you would be able to follow one of them. Okay. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe with a lot of practice. I mean, let's, I can polka. Uh, was there a polka involved somehow? There is not a polka involved. <laughs> very disappointing. That's very disappointing. <laughs> Wisconsin, I think we need a forward Madison Flamingo polka. Uh, I think this just makes perfect I'll leave that to someone else. <laughs> yeah. That, leave that, it to that, Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think sound, Andrew would want to do it. <laughs> uh, that sound in the the background you hear is uh, Paisley giving us the wrap it up. She's had enough. Producer Paisley says it's time to time to go. Uh, the Dave Chappelle wrap it up box. The wrap it up box. <laughs> the wrap it up bark from from Paisley. She says uh, forwards. I'm just happy, Kyle, that you're not so young that you're not familiar with Dave Chappelle. That really, you know, it brings us together across our generational divide. Dave Chappelle does. Um, I made a Clayton Bixby reference today. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling. twirling.